Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Last week, we had the opportunity, we talked about the power of believing the truth, the power of believing the truth. Today, I want to share with you that you actually can't live beyond what you believe. You can't live beyond what you believe. And so as much as it's power in believing the truth, you can only live to a point of your belief system. What you actually believe God wants to do and what he can do is where you limit yourself So what we believe is where our faith comes from. It's where I can take that step of faith. I can go farther in my walk. Therefore, if you think of it that way, it means that you limit yourself. You can't go beyond, and you can't live beyond what you believe. So if you think about our walk with God, if you think about our faith with God, our faith is a little bit like uh, playing golf. If you think of golf, it's a little bit like playing golf. What you have to realize is when you're young and you start out playing golf, you get maybe a beginner set and you're swinging and you're trying. And as a little kid is learning, there's so many fun videos online as kids just swinging as hard as they can and falling over and everything like that. But here's the amazing thing about a little kid playing golf. They can swing as hard as they want. And when they hit that ball, it might go 70, maybe 50 yards down the fairway. So the advantage that they have is if they're off a little bit when hitting the ball, if they're off just a little bit, they can hit the ball off to the side, but because it doesn't go too far, it probably still lands in the fairway. It probably lands right in the middle of the fairway or just off to the side of the fairway, but they're still playing from the fairway. When then as you get older, the difficulty is you might be able to hit the ball farther. And so like myself, I don't play golf a lot. So I can hit the ball farther, but a lot of times my ball will go about 100 yards straight out this way, and then all of a sudden it might do another 100 yards that way. And so what we have to realize in our faith, as we walk in our faith, if we are off just a little bit, if we're off by like 15 degrees, the older that we get, the farther off it's going to be because we haven't pulled it back into the right path with God. And so what we believe is so important Because if you stay with golf, what we believe, if we go off a little bit, we will eventually find out that we're not in the fairway or we might actually be even out of bounds. We could be out of bounds in what we believe. And so therefore, your Christian walk is a direct result of what you believe. Your Christian walk is so important to what you believe. If your faith is off, your walk will be off. If you uh, need to take a look at what you believe and how you believe so you're walking in the right direction with God. If you started your Christian walk just off 15 degrees, it may not have really affected you early in your faith. But the longer you walk, the longer you walk in your Christian walk, the longer it's going to be right out of place. And so you have to be in line with what God is asking and what God is speaking And so if you continue to live the same way in your faith, you could end up 
out of bounds. And that's where the classic of what we would classify as almost a midlife crisis comes in. Because now what you've believed and what's happening are two different things. And though you thought that you understood well and what constituted as success in your Christian walk and fulfillment and satisfaction, now you're discovering that what you believed about life wasn't actually quite fully true. And the longer that we persist, the longer that I persist or you persist in this faulty belief system, the less fulfilling or productive our life is going to feel and our life is going to be in our daily walk of faith. So walking by faith, it simply means that you and I are functioning daily in the basis of what we believe. And we talked about that, how everybody has a faith. It's, whether you're a believer or not, we talked about a couple of weeks ago how we have faith just that the lights are going to work, and so uh, the street lights. And so every day we walk and live by faith. And so as we talked about um, walking in faith, we were talking about understanding that it's what we believe. And so people may have always lived, people might not always live what they profess. So you and I know of people where they will talk one thing, but they'll live a different way. And so what we live, so what we, prof- uh, we may not always live what we profess, but we will always live what we believe. We will always live what we believe. And so misbehavior, a lot of times, is a result of our disbelief. When we're not living the right way, it's because of our belief. So Hebrews uh, 13.7 says this, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way, of their life, and imitate their faith. So here's Paul going, if you're not sure what to believe, if you're not sure what to do, he's reminding the church Find godly examples. He talks about how the, he's talking about how the apostles they taught something. They say mimic what they did. And so, if you're not sure how to behave, you're not sure how to believe, you're not sure what to do. Find mature Christians around you, and do what they do. We learned this in the marriage uh, course that we taught from Andy uh, taught from Andy Stanley. What happy couples know. He said, if you want to be a humble person and you're in a situation and you're not sure what to do. Ask yourself, what would a humble person do? And then just do that. So find an example. To to better understand how you and I believe what our present belief system is, let's do something fun. And so if you're at home, grab a pen and paper or pull out your phone and your notepad. And if you're in the room, grab a notepad. And I want you to answer these questions. We're going to simply evaluate where we are in each category. And what I want you to do is I'm going to state a question for you and I want you to write beside it um, a one or up to five and five being the highest. So this is like, yes, I'm great at this or I am very feel very successful or one, I don't. And so we're going to move into these questions and I hope you're ready. Here we go. So the first question, how successful am I? How successful am I? Do I feel like successful, I'm a one, or do I feel like successful, I'm like a five, or am I kind of in the middle? How successful am I? How significant am I? How significant am I? How do you feel? 
And number three, how fulfilled am I? How fulfilled do you feel in your life? How fulfilled do you feel? How satisfied am I? You don't have to show anybody these answers. Just write down a one to a five, anywhere in there. How satisfied am I? How happy am I? How happy am I? How happy do you feel right now? How happy are you in your life? How much fun am I having? How much fun are you having on a regular basis? When was the last time you laughed? How secure am I? How secure am I? And then the last one, how peaceful am I? How peaceful do I feel? And so where did you rank yourself? Were they mostly ones or twos? Were they mostly fours or fives? Or were you in the middle? So now here's the follow-up to that. So I want you to think about where you ranked yourself. Hopefully you wrote it down. And now you can reference it back to it. And I want you to finish these sentences. I would be more successful if. I would be more successful if. And just write down the answer. If you were what, how would you be more successful? I would be more significant if. I would be more significant if. You're going to see a pattern here, so you can go ahead if you've answered the questions. But it's, I would be more fulfilled if. I would be more fulfilled if this was in my life. This happened. I would be more satisfied if. I would be more happy if. And see, a lot of these answers you already have because as you wrote down your numbers, you were filling in why you wrote those numbers down in your own mind. I'd be more happy if. I would, be, I would have more fun if. I would have more fun if. I would be more secure if. I'd be more secure if. And then the last one, I would have more peace if. I would have more peace if. I hope at home you're writing these out and I hope you're taking some notes. I can tell you right now in the room they are. And it's going to help as we walk through what we believe. Because see, whatever you believe are the answers to I would be more if questions. That's your belief system. I would, whatever you wrote in for I would be more if. That's what you believe in these areas of your life. That's what you have in your heart. Those are what your belief system are. And you are right now walking by faith according to what you believe. So you are walking by faith according to what you just wrote down. 
And see, assuming that we all have the same basics, like um, idea of meeting our needs. So like we need our needs met for like food and shelter and safety and so on. And that those are being met. Then you are motivated to live a successful, significant, fulfilled, satisfied, happy, fun, secure, and peaceful life. That's what we're motivated to do which is actually perfectly fine because I don't believe that God has called you or I to be an insecure, insignificant, unfulfilled failure in our lives. I don't believe God's called any of us to that. So the fact that we are working towards these areas in our lives, I don't believe that's sinful. I don't believe God discourages it. But the chances are that you may not have the same definition to these eight qualities of life that God does. The understanding of what would make us successful or significant or fulfilled or satisfied or happy or fun, secure and peaceful, what I believe, what you believe, might be different than what God actually has for us. And therefore, our walk, your walk by faith, may not be achieving what you want, or what I want, because it's not in line with what God actually desires. See, from birth, we have been developing in our own minds what it means to experience these eight values in our lives and reaching other goals in life. So consciously or subconsciously, we continue to formulate and adjust our plans and adjust our lives for achieving these goals and meeting these goals in our lives. Sometimes, however, though, I don't know about you, but my well-intended plans or your, your noble goals, all of them, don't always line up with God's plans or goals for our lives. I don't know about you, but you have certain plans you believe in. In five years, this is going to happen. Or in ten years, this is where I want to be. And when you get there, all of a sudden, it's not there. And we're trying to figure it out, but it's because we're not lining up with what God actually wants or the path that he has. And so how can I know if what I believe is right? How can I know if what I'm aiming for, what I'm going for is accurate? Well, John 8, 32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so we need to spend time with the Lord. We need to be in his word. We need to have a relationship with him. And as we conform, as we transform our minds to him, with renewing of our minds, then we will know his will, his good and pleasing will. When we know God and his goals for our lives, that's when we are free. And when you have experience um, with God or a relationship that leaves us feeling angry or anxious or depressed, I don't know about you, but many of us, when we walk with God, it's not that he has failed us, it's not that he's Um, wrong, it's not that he's doing something incorrect, but I don't know about you, but in that I've experienced the feelings of either anger or anxiousness or depression where I'm wondering what God is doing and I can't figure it out. Well, see, these emotions are actually in my life and in your life as like emergency lights or signposts or caution lights to warn us and alert us of something being off. 
But they're not warnings that God is off. It's warnings that we are off, that my goals are based on a wrong belief or your goals are based on a wrong belief that we're just not in line with what God is asking. See, when we have anger in our lives, it actually signals a blocked goal. Singles a blocked goal in our lives. You have to realize that when you're aiming for something, when you're desiring to get somewhere and do something in your life, and all of a sudden it's blocked, something stops you, that's when we get angry. That's when we get upset. When your relationship or a a project that you're working on ends up in you feeling angry, it's usually because someone or something has blocked you from your goal. Someone or something is preventing you from accomplishing what you want to get to. I don't know if anybody else identifies with that. Is this challenge of when we come up against something? Because it's not, I'm not angry because of, um, I'm getting things. I only get angry when I don't get what I want. Think of a toddler. When they don't get what they want, they have a tenter tantrum. This is what we say, oh, they're just upset because they're not getting what they want. But as adults, just so you're aware, in our own lives when we follow the Lord and we don't get what we want, we still respond as toddlers. We still respond as toddlers. Romans 14, 23 says, everything that does not come from faith is sin. So when we stop walking by faith, it actually is going to lead us to sin So when I'm not walking on the path that God has for me, when I'm not walking in his will, it's sliding me over into an area that sin is going to come into my life. I open myself up. The other signal that we have is anxiety. Anxiety signals an uncertain goal. It signals an uncertain goal where all of a sudden we're not sure what's happening. We're not sure what's going on. And we want to reach something, but we don't see it. We're hoping for something to happen, but we have no guarantee it will. How many of us in our lives, we desire something, we're trying to get there, but we just can't see how it's going to work, and we begin to be anxious about it. The older that you get, the more life you've lived, you begin to understand that I can control some factors in my life, but I cannot control all of them. And that's where I become anxious. And Psalms 55, 22 says that I'm supposed to cast your cares, cast our cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. So trust in the Lord. When you're feeling anxious, trust in him and cast your cares onto him. 1 Peter 5, 7 repeats this. It echoes it. It says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When we are uncertain, we can be certain in God. When you're uncertain with what's happening in your life, you can be certain in him. You can trust in him. And I realize that immediately when we think of anxiety in our world today, a lot of people immediately be like, Chad, it's not that simple. And I understand that a lot of times it's not that simple. But what if it is that simple? I realize there's lots of things going on. There's chemical things going on. But what if all of a sudden we begin to realize 
Lord, it's just because I don't have control. I can't see what's going on. And so, Lord, help me to trust in you. Help me to cast all of this onto you. Because Hebrews 13, 8 says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as he got you through before, he will get you through again. The third emotion that alerts us to a faultly belief system is depression. Depression signals an impossible goal. It feels like it's an impossible goal. And just as we talked about with anxiety, we can have depression or anxiety from like a biochemical reason. But if there is no physical cause, then depression is often rooted in a sense of hopelessness or helplessness. Hopelessness or helplessness. When I feel like I can't do anything, I don't understand what's happening, this is when I feel hopeless and helpless. In Psalms 13, 5 to 6 says, but I trust in your unfailing love. I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. That's Psalms 13, 5 and 6. I will sing the Lord's praises because he is good to me. It's reminding ourselves that I can put my trust in his unfailing love. I can rejoice in him because he has been good to me. Psalms 43, 5 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in the Lord. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This is David reminding himself to put his hope in God. And even in the midst of it, yet I will praise him, my Savior and God. It's reaching out to the Father and saying, speaking to yourself in those down moments. I can trust him. I can put my hope in him. And I will praise him and I will begin to worship him right now, even in the midst of it. Because with God, all things are possible. Neil Anderson, he writes this, and when you put yourself in the situation, you begin to wrap your mind around and go, oh my goodness, what was she feeling? Neil Anderson writes, God had a staggering goal for a young maid named Mary. An angel told her, that she would bear a son while still a virgin, and her son would be the savior of the world. When she inquired about this seemingly impossible feat, the angel simply replied, simply said, nothing will be impossible for God. Nothing will be impossible for God. Think about it. When you hear what Mary was told, You're going to have a child, you're still going to be a virgin, and he is going to be the savior of the world. All of us would respond the same way she did. How is this even possible? How is this even going to happen? And the only encouragement she received was, nothing will be impossible for God. So whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through this morning, can I encourage you with the simple response the angel gave? Nothing will be impossible for God. Nothing will be impossible for God. So we just have to work through and walk through um, our goals and our desires. And so we have to realize 
There is a difference. So there is goals versus desires. What is, how do we walk this through and understand what are goals and versus desires? So first off, a godly goal. A godly goal is a specific orientation that reflects God's purpose in our life. It reflects God's purpose in our lives. It's not dependent on people. A godly goal is not dependent on people. It's not dependent on my circumstances around me. It's not dependent on my abilities. It's not dependent on my control. Because see, here's the thing that we have to realize. That when we want to control things in our lives, when we want to bring change to things in our lives, there is only one person that I can control and there is only one person that I can change. And that is me. It's all that I can do. So if I can adopt the attitude of cooperation with God's goals, as Mary did, then my goals can be reached. Your goals can be reached. I can probably willing to bet you that Mary did not grow up with the ultimate goal of being shunned because she became pregnant outside of marriage. Because what you have to realize is that's what she appeared to society. This would not have been her goals. And so she came into a cooperation with God. She agreed to walk with him in his goals. And because of that, the goals can be reached. See, godly desire is a specific result that depends on cooperation of other people. So when I have a godly desire compared to a godly goal, my goals depend on God. The desires depend on people. The success of this uh, event or circumstance in my life, I have no right or ability to control. So 1 John 2 to 1 says this, 2 verse 1 says, My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. I write this to you that you will not sin. And it is God's desires that every one of us will repent, although not everything, not everyone will. It's our desires to walk close to him. It's his desire to have us close to him. So our godly goal, your godly goal should be this in your life. The goal is to become the person God called you to be. The person God called you to be. This should be your ultimate goal. First, Celestian, wow, that was hard. 4, verse 3 and 4 says this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. That we are sanctified, that we are close to him, See, nobody or nothing in our lives, nothing on this planet can keep you and me from being the person that God has called me to be. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of distractions. There's disappointments. There's adversaries that I hit. There's trials and temptations. There's even traumas that happen in our lives to disrupt this process. And even that, with all of those things happening, every day, you and I, we will struggle or fight against the world. We'll fight against our own flesh and the devil, each of which wants to stop us from becoming the person that God has called you to be. 
But we need to believe that with God, all things are possible. And his desire is to pull us closer to him. And so when these hard times come, we have to remember what Paul teaches us. In Romans 5, 3 to 5, it says, Not only so, but you also glory, we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And the hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. James, he encourages us with the same way. He says in James 1, verse 2 to 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers. And sisters, that whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. As we walk through trials, as we walk through uh, difficulties in our lives, many of us don't think about the fact that we'll actually, we glory in it. It's supposed to have pure joy in it. Not because of the scenario, not because of the situation, because through it we will be closer to the Lord and we will be closer to the ultimate goal of being who he has called us to be. I once read about this pastor who, he had a dream. And as he was dreaming, he was walking and all of a sudden he realized he was walking with God. And God was talking to him about molding him into the person that he had called him to be. And as they were getting closer, um, as they were walking, he began to see far off that there was a statue being made. And there was two people chiseling away at it. Two artists making this statue. And as they got close to the statue, he began to realize that the statue was a statue of himself. And God is showing him this man that he is calling him to be. And as all of a sudden they got closer to this statue of himself, he looks and he sees the two artists. And the two artists are two men from his church. And he would describe these two men as as the two men who sit in the church and they sit with their arms crossed and they have this mean look on their face and it doesn't look like they're happy and they complain all the time. And God explains how these two men, even though there are trials and there are difficulties, they are molding them, molding him into the man of God that he has called him to be. Now let me just clarify that that's not giving permission for people in the church to come in and and sit down and be grumpy and complain all the time just to help shape us into the people that God's called us to be. But some of the challenges that we have in our lives, some of those difficult people, some of the uh, bosses or the employees or the co-workers or the family members that we have, they're there to actually shape us and mold us to look more like Christ. Now many of you might be sitting at home or even in this room and you're hoping for this question. Is there an easier way to maturity? Is there an easier way to become the man or woman of God that he's called me to be without going through these difficulties? 
If there is, I haven't found it. And my mentors haven't found it. But many of the men or women of God that you want to be like, that you see their walk with the Lord, they've gone through challenges where God has molded them and made them. See, here's the thing in our walk with the Lord. We need mountaintop experiences with God to keep us going, to keep us pressing into him those high moments where we feel his presence. But we have to understand that a lot of times the most fertile soil for growth is down in the valleys. And if we're honest, it's manure that helps things grow. So if you're going through manure, if you're going through challenges in your life, here's the hard part. Let it fertilize you to help you grow into who God is calling you to be. Because 1 Timothy 1.5 says, The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. God has called us to love others, to love on people, and therefore we need to make our goal, you and I need to make our goal the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, instead of depression, peace instead of anxiety, and patience instead of anger. We need to trust when we don't understand. We need to be confident in his love for us. I want to read you a poem in closing that I believe is, will express kind of what this message is trying to communicate and how we see what God is doing. I don't know who the author is, but the poem is called Disappointment, His Appointment. And it says this, Disappointment, His Appointment, Change one letter, then I see That the thwarting of my purpose Is God's better choice for me. His appointment must be blessing, Though it may come in disguise. For the end from the beginning, Open To his wisdom lies disappointment, his appointment. No good will he withhold. From denies ought we gather treasures of his love untold. While he knows each broken purpose leads to fuller, deeper, deeper trust. And the end of all his dealings proves our God is wise and just. Disappointment his appointment. Lord, I take it then as such, like clay in the hands of a potter, yielding wholly to thy touch. My life's plan is thy molding. Not one single choice be mine. Let me answer on repining, Father, not my will, but thine. Let's pray. Lord, we pray this morning that you will help us to understand and believe what you have for our lives are good. And so therefore, Lord, I pray that you help us to trust you more. Lord, help us to trust you when we don't see you. Help us to trust you when we don't hear you. Help us to trust you when we don't understand Remind us, remind me that you do know best. Lord, remind us that I can trust you 
when I don't see you and I can trust you when I don't hear you and I can trust you when I don't understand. My faith is that you are with me. My faith is that you do understand and my faith is that your plan is better than mine. And so, Father, help us to walk closely with you. Lord, help all of us to change our understanding of what success is That, Lord, our desire is to be the men and women of God that you've called us to be. And we will press into you and into that in our lives and that we will have love, joy, peace, and patience. And so, Lord, we submit to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast that's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 